Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast with Mua, Tom Davis. Uh, today's podcast is an excellent podcast with a dog owner who is struggling with randomized reactivity to friends, family, when they have people over. So we're going to go over what causes a dog to react when they're fine, and then all of a sudden they're not. What behaviorally happens? What's the roadmap that you need to do to help uh, desensitize and or modify the behavior? And is it possible to modify the behavior? These guys are wonderful. They ask all the good questions. So I know that this is going to bring a lot of value to you guys. Just another uh, great podcast anyway. Uh, so if you guys don't know, I'm coming to Australia next month with my friend Forrest Mickey, and then I'm doing a solo Brisbane uh, date myself. Uh, so tickets are still available. You guys can click the link below. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think Forrest is one of the best dog trainers walking the planet, so I'm excited to share the stage with him and soak up more information from him. Uh, probably not going to go again next year or the year following just because of our schedules, but uh, if you guys want to hang out, meet me, uh, possibly help us ha have us help you with your dogs. Once-in-a-lifetime chance, for a long time anyway. And then I'm doing a seminar at my facility by myself for the very first time. It's the only seminar I'm doing in the United States. Uh, that's going to be December, I think 10th uh, and 11th. All the information is in the link below. I think we have a couple working spots left, but I do think that's going to sell up pretty fast. Uh, and then for those of you who don't know, I also just launched a brand new reactive to neutral course. Um, if you're struggling with reactivity and you want a more granular approach on how to handle these situations, uh, take a look at that link is in the description below. And I appreciate you guys listening. And that's why I answer your questions. So if you're a listener of this podcast and enjoyer of this podcast, I appreciate you watching uh, and listening and all the things. And at the end of the podcast, I'm going to be answering uh, three of your dog training questions. So if you have questions, you want me to answer them, head over to the iTunes review chart, leave your review, and I'll talk to you at the end. Super. So let me tell you the situation. And I have you on speakerphone because my husband, Barry, is here as well. Um, so we've got a two year old female Australian cattle dog mix. She's like 30% cattle dog, 10% Chihuahua, 10% Pitbull, and has a little husky. So she's a, she's a real mutt. Um, and we rescued her about a year ago. And what we want to accomplish is that in certain, in certain situations around people, she can be aggressive. She can be the nicest dog or she can be really aggressive. And we really want to get a hold on it. Okay, so you mean uh, sometimes she's friendly with people and sometimes she's not? Or is she selective of who she's friendly with? She, I would say she's selective and it's definitely a situational thing. So in one situation she'll be fine and in another situation she will be aggressive. And I, I can go over those situations with you if that would help. Yeah, I think that would, yeah. Um, so the, the first thing is in the house... If anyone comes to the door and even like is on in, you know, in our yard, maybe the landscaper, the pool guy, or anyone knocks on the door, mm -hmm. she is super territorial. She will bark. She's still only 30 pounds, but she acts ferocious. Um, if we let a stranger in the house, she's, she's barking. She's very aggressive. Um, 
we usually put her either on a leash with a prong collar or I just put her in another room. Um, if someone comes over who she knows well, she's, um, she'll bark at them. She usually calms down, but she does this thing where, let's say um, someone comes in the house, she knows them, she'll bark at them, she'll calm down, but she's obsessed with them the whole time they're here. Like she's monitoring their every move. And then if they get up to leave or go into another room, she can lunge out at them. So it's almost like she's trying to, um, it's almost like she's asked, telling them, I didn't give you permission to like to leave. Hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's not, it's just not acceptable. Um, um, with situations outside of the house, couple of scenarios. So if we are just, we live in a neighborhood where everyone's always walking, riding their bikes and whatnot. So if we're walking her, um, someone on foot stops to talk to us um, in there, usually she can be very, she'll be very friendly. But then again, when the conversation's ending and that person goes to leave, she'll bark in, she could lunge at them. Um, it's even worse if, let's say someone's riding their bike by us and stops to talk, but bikes, bikes set her off. So she's, it's almost to the point you can't even have a conversation with the person because they, they're on a bike. Yep. Um, same thing with a car. Someone stops, someone's driving along, stops their car to stop and talk to us. They roll down the window. She's just barking and um, we haven't been successful in, with the bike scenario or the car scenario to get her to calm down. We just like wave and, you know, say goodbye and go on our way. Mm -hmm. okay. um, we have had some success um, getting her to calm down in some situations, which has been great. Um, I've taught her, like if, when we're home and let's say the landscapers show up and she's just barking her head off, I can just tell her to go to the cage. As long as I have a very high value treat, I can say go to the cage and she'll go to the cage and I can shut the door, uh, shut the cage door and she'll be fine. Um, she, if someone is knocking on the door and um, it's a little bit more intensified and she's not always listening to me i can usually get her into the cage but it's just you know it's very stressful and by the time you know i get her into the cage the person knocking the door is is gone um so those are the scenarios we're really trying to solve for another cup another thing that does work though i should say is we have um a water bottle full of pennies not full of pennies has like 10 pennies in it and if she someone's in the, the yard or knocking on the door we can shake the penny um, bottle and she will um, she will listen and she'll, you know, stop barking um, and I can get her into the cage that way as well. Okay. So outside of the penny shaking, um, I want to just go over some other things. So I think this is common for dogs who uh, have a mixture of, of, personality slash behavioral things. So some of it's, some of it can be, uh, confidence issues. Some of it can be protective issues. Some of it can be hurting or like policing issues. Not, and when I say issues, I mean behavior, uh, I should say behavior. So policing behaviors, insecurity behaviors, um, protective behaviors, uh, just because uh, what you're saying is, is, uh, this is common for people who, deal with, uh, you have a dog in the house and then your friend's family come over and she's fine with those people under those circumstances and context. And then once they move or they change, then she reacts. And it's the same thing when you see people out in the streets. Hey, how are you? Hi, how are you? Good. We're talking for 30 seconds to a minute. They go to leave and then she explodes. So typically what ends up happening is, is dogs are seeing different pictures. So you're looking at it as out of nowhere or when somebody gets up to go to the bathroom or when somebody exits the conversation physically, the dog reacts. When the reality is, is if you look at the perspective from the dog is the picture's changing, which means you have three or four people over, they're all sitting down. So what she does from a dog's perspective is she goes, okay, area, area is, is secured. I see where A, B, and 3, C, D, E, F, G are sitting, whatever. She understands the context. She sees that picture. She's comfortable with that picture. She relaxes. The moment they go from three feet sitting on the couch to then five and a half feet to six feet, boom, she reacts. It changes. So it's same thing out on the walk. If you're out for a walk and you 
stop and greet somebody friendly. She goes, okay, these are friends. We stop, we talk, everybody's standing and sitting and talking in the same position. The moment they turn their hips, the moment they turn their shoulders, the moment they wave goodbye, the moment they hug you, the moment they shake your hand, the moment that they do something different, she reacts. Mm -hmm. So that's a very common picture change reactivity. It's like textbook. And so the things that you, so the reason why it happens I should dive into first because, again, the dog feels comfortable. Okay, cool. Um, it'd be like a bodyguard or a secret service agent watching somebody have a conversation with somebody else, and then all of a sudden that person goes to hug your client. Nope, we're stepping in. We're intervening. Not going to do that. It's dangerous. So that's what the dog does is everybody in my house is in the position. Okay, I'm comfortable with this position. I see this position. I see this picture. I'm digesting this. Okay, cool. And then boom the environment changes. That's when your dog reacts. So that it's a comfortability thing, but I don't want to say it's necessarily depending on, I mean, this dog is a super mutt. So you got a lot of breeds going on. So I don't want to say it's, it's all protective and, or it's all, uh, confidence because it, that doesn't always mean that the dog is insecure about these issues. It just means that, um, your dog may, herd these these people or whatever i mean that's what herding dogs do they see a picture of livestock in a little area they go outside the area the dog reacts the dog gets up and vice versa something comes into their area the dog gets up the dog reacts so think about reaction you don't have to think about it as barking lunging growling trying to bite reaction is just the dog reacting somebody dumps cold water on you you react you scream you breathe you move you shout whatever you react. So that's typically the reasons why these things happen. It's very common. Uh, typically, I see it with more fearful dogs than not, but it doesn't always mean that that's why it's happening. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes perfect sense. The way you described it is it just makes perfect sense how you describe it. I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think Barry has a question. Uh, hi, John. Hi. Uh, I don't know, I might have missed the beginning of the conversation, but Helen mentioned that uh, our dog, we, we rescued her at a year old, and she was in a kill shelter, so we had no idea for that first 12 months what her life was like, and I didn't know if that, you put that into the equation of what you were talking about. Uh, so, so what what's the question? Sorry. No, I, I didn't know if Helen mentioned at the beginning that uh, Stella, our dog, is a year, we rescued her, uh, yeah. rescued her year old, and she was in a kill shelter, um, and we rescued her, so we, we don't know her past and her history, right. it was just, I just want to make sure you have that information to put that in the equation of how you're talking now, so that's all. Yeah, no, I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, and sometimes it matters, and to be honest, unless we're dealing with something very dangerous or uh, like very, very um, behaviorally like, like bad. So just like dogs who have been abused, you know, whatever. But I try not to focus on, I mean, majority of my clients, it's like, I, th I think 60, 40, I think 60% or even higher of my clients, you know, don't own a dog from, you know, their, their puppy age. So, I mean, majority of my clients get dogs rescue, adopt them. Um, so it's common for these things to happen and it's good, but yeah, I, I don't, you know, just try to focus on for me anyway, like with my clients, I just try to focus on what's in front of us unless yeah. we, you know, unless we need to, if I'm, if I'm seeing information that we need to say, okay, you know, let's backtrack a little bit and see what happened in the past. And I, to give you an example, things like those conversations are to be had when, Maybe a dog was attacked when they were a puppy like three or four times and now they hate other dogs. Okay. So there's a definite reason why these things are happening. But that's what I'm saying is I think with, with your dog in particular, it's probably more of a innate uh, instinctual thing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I've seen, I've seen herder, herding breeds do this with people. They don't even know that they're doing it. They'll be standing around talking and the dog will be circling them, kind of bumping them and you know, people don't even realize that they're working and then the person goes to walk away and they, they, you know, bump them or they nip them and they're like, oh my God, the dog just bit me. And I'm like, you know, if you look at videos or if you actually watch the dog's behavior, the dog has been hurting these people for five minutes after they're talking about their dinner last night and you don't even realize it. 
So right. uh, where to go from here is uh, two things, is desensitization of the the picture, okay? So what you would do is you would repaint this picture and recreate this scenario as much as you can uh, to help the dog get through the process. So, and then there's going to be a correction that should be involved, uh, in the process. Now, when you think of correction guys, like think of any other, any other context of a correction, right? Somebody writes an article, they get somebody's name wrong. They get somebody's age wrong correction. Okay. So it was wrong, but here's the correct way to do it, right? You're driving, you hit the rumble strips, correction. Um, so on and so forth. You're bowling, you throw the ball, it hits off the, the gutters, boom, it's a correction. It's correcting to the right path. A correction equals the, the, the outcome of something that we want to happen, right? A correction is there to, to teach the dog what's appropriate, right? So uh, there's two of those. Th- those are the two big things uh, as you're going through this is you have to replay the picture as much as you can to desensitize it. And what desensitization does without you know being too obvious about it is it gives the dog an opportunity to see the picture often so if they're afraid of somebody coming into the house but you only have a person come over once a week or once every other week you're you're basically telling your personal trainer that you want to get into the best shape of your life but you're only going to work out twice a month so there's that part of the desensitization so you have to just do it often um, just to continue to replay the the images in the dog's head for the dog to see that picture and then um and then on the other side of that too as equal as important to is making sure that we correct the dog when we do lash out and decide to say hey you can't leave this circle or hey you can't go to the bathroom in my house those are where the correction needs to come in and so you know i I've been doing this a long time now and and um in no way shape or form would I ever not want to give you guys the best information possible to, to see results because that's what my brand is upheld by and, and my my dogs and my clients get get through situations for. And there was a, a client that came in last week as an Australian shepherd, really, 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 really reactive to everything. And these guys, and this goes into my correction. That's just a little side story. These guys had worked with a trainer that taught them how to correct the dog. They worked with a trainer that taught them how to avoid the situation. They worked with a behaviorist that basically medicated the dog into a puddle and he and he still reacted. And so my point by saying this is, is your correction comes in many different styles. It comes in different outcomes. It comes in different ways. Um, so, you know, like you guys shaking the can, the pennies, the nickels, that's a correction. You guys yelling at your dog um, verbally, that's a correction. You do- you guys grabbing your dog's collar and pulling them back, that's a correction. But really what a, what a, what you want to be doing with any type of correction is what works, right? So that's the most important thing in this conversation. So this particular Australian Shepherd, they had worked on this reactivity, I believe, for over a year, doing all these different training. They drove up from Virginia to upstate New York. And they've never been able they they have never been able to get this dog around other dogs, and they've tried everything, including a PhD behaviorist. Right? I mean, somebody who has a PhD in dog behavior has been working with this dog for a very long time, and they've never been able to get around other dogs. I walked through my door and circled six dogs within the first fifteen minutes of knowing this dog. Well, now the reason you know I'm the the only reason. Why I'm, t- why I'm telling you guys this is because when you guys correct your dog, you want it to be sustainable, but you also want to teach the dog what is appropriate. And, and again, to dilute down my reasoning by, I'm not trying to flex or anything. I'm trying to tell you this story because um, this particular dog was living a very stressful life. The owners were absolutely at their wits' end. I don't think they ever would have given up on the dog because they had enough medication to basically almost put the dog to sleep. And so that's what their game plan was for the rest of this dog's life. He's a two-year-old beautiful Aussie, right? So not fun. But, But my point is, is the way that you guys handle the situation is what matters. And the way that you assert yourself when your dog decides to go absolutely crazy for no apparent reason is what matters. So 
I handed the leash back to them. They looked at each other like I just casted a magic spell on their dog. Like, what the hell just happened? And so I was telling him, like, look, the way that you the way that you present your information to your dog and the way that you present your information to the scenario is really important. So we, so I corrected the dog after the fact. They're like, well, you know, let's work on these other things. So we we worked on everything. We put this dog to the ringer, and he did amazing. Um, but you have to just understand that when your when your dog reacts, you have to assert yourself and step up to the plate and basically shut it down when that happens. So um, right now, it doesn't sound like that's what's happening with you guys. And so right now, when your dog reacts, let's say when you're out, I know you talked about the shake can and the crate and stuff like that, but when you're out with your dog and your dog starts to react towards your friends and your neighbors and your family members or even in the house, what do you guys do in that situation? So um, what I would do, what I do is I always have, you know, high value treats in my pocket. Um, so what I've been doing is, let's say we're, I'm talking to a, a friend on the street where everyone's getting along nicely. And um, the, I know the conversation's about to, to end. I'm starting to give Stella to distract her before, the, the com- before she thinks about lunging, and that usually works. However, if she were to lunge, I give a, a correction on the prong collar, and I tell her no, and then we just leave. And, but that's, I would say, my correction. There's nothing doing that. A, you know, a correction on the leash, on mm-hmm. the prong collar, saying no and leaving. Okay. Yeah, that's a good place to start. Um, now, again, one of the reasons why I told you that story is because they did the same thing. Is they? This is what a lot of dog owners struggle with is their correction wasn't on time. Their correction wasn't the pop that it needed to be. So they were really wasting their time. And so we want the dog, going back to corrections, what I was talking about earlier in this conversation, we want the dog to have a different emotional roadmap to certain scenarios. So we're correcting the way that the dog perceives a certain thing, right? Like my son right now, he walks up and he thinks shoes are food and tries to eat all of our shoes. And I'm like, that's, you're going to get terribly sick. So we correct that. We take it away from him, right? So same thing with your dog is you have to make sure that your correction is actually effective. So when you correct her, does she disengage or does she correct, does she bark through it? Good question. I feel like, I feel like it's, it varies. I feel like maybe if I get timing right, she's she's fine and we leave, you know, everything's fine, but there's sometimes she'll bark through it. Yeah, if you miss the timing, you're right. screwed. Yeah. Right. So, um, okay, got it. So once once she kind of gets to the red zone, barking, hysteria <laughs> stage, you can't get her down. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, again, a couple things that I would be doing is, you know, you, you guys can work on this for homework. But um, A, make sure that when you guys are div- uh, working with her that your prong collars fit properly and that you're actually correcting the dog with a quick pop because the amount of people that use the prong collar ineffective is probably the equal amount or greater amount than people who use it properly. So there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of that going on, which, you know, to be honest with you, with a, it's a, the prong collar is super safe. So if you use it wrong, worst case scenario is it doesn't work <laughs> and you try something else. Uh, you know, it's not like an e-collar where you really, you know, you have too much technology in your hand if you don't know what you're doing. So when you're working with that prong collar, just make sure now is she for her coat, is she more Australian shepherd, cattle doggy? I mean, how does she, how, what's her coat like? Is it thick? It's no, she's a very, very short hair. It's not thick at so all. So more like pit bull. Yes, we barely even pressure. Okay, yes. okay, got it. Yeah, because sometimes those mixes, you know, we get cattle dogs, we get Aussies, we get uh, all sorts of different mixes and their hair is different. So anyway, okay, that's good. So just uh, when you're using the prong, do you do you know by any chance what gauge you're using? Like what size it is? Is it a 2.25, a 3.0, a uh, 3.2? I could tell you. I know I bought it on Amazon and I have it in my phone. But can I tell you... Um, it's a it's a Springer. Mm-hmm. It's a, um, I can tell you that we went to the vet a couple of weeks ago, and the vet tech was like, "Your prong collar is way too tight." 
And I'm like, oh, maybe she's right. So I came home and added, uh, you know, uh, a segment, yeah, link to it. Yeah. And I think it's actually now too loose. And we went back to the vet again the other day, and she's like, it's still too tight. And I'm like, geez. So I think I had it right the first time. It was tight. It wasn't choking her. It was, you know, it's up high. Um, it's not low on her neck, but I do think right now it's probably too loose. But I was you know, going off the guidance of the vet tech, sure. but I don't think it's actually right. Yeah, that's what I mean is there's a lot of different uh, – that's the thing with dogs in general is everyone is an expert and everyone's going to tell you with or without experience and results. They'll tell you, you know, how to do it. So I would just uh, – you know, I have it I have a on my YouTube channel – uh, you know, I don't want to w- waste any time on it because it's you just watch that video. I have a prong collar video that I did on YouTube that goes over the fitting, the size, all of that. Uh, so that's what I would suggest. Uh, just because, again, like if you're correcting her and your prong collar isn't fit right, boom, that's that's okay. that's it. You know, that's that's there's th- that that is a huge part of a lot of people's problems. Is there? Okay. You know, again, they're trying to correct the dog, but they're using the wrong tool, right? You know what I mean? You're, you're just not doing yeah. it right. You're, you're taking the shoe out of somebody else's hand instead of the baby's hand that's licking the shoe. So your correction just is, 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 is completely voided out. doesn't matter. So check that video out and uh, you might be able to make some adjustments from there. The other thing that, uh, again, I think is going to be helpful is just making sure that when you guys are, again, desensitizing patterns you guys should be moving with the dog a little bit so getting the dog engaged with you so um i would say one thing that you can do too is use your motivation sounds like she's food motivated which is nice so one thing that you can do too when you're working with her is you could just food lure her around a little bit um so if you have a piece of food in your hand you can basically tease her around as you're talking um, something that is really helpful too. Um, and, and, and really what that does is it gets the dog engaged with you. It also distracts the dog from what they think may happen or what they think the person's going to leave the conversation or something. So you get a piece of food in your hand and you just start food luring the dog around and you're talking to this person and you could just walk forward, walk backwards, or you can just put your dog into a sit and then work on a focus command too. Um, so there's a lot of different obedience that you can do to counter this build as well. Just those are some for an example. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I mean, I shouldn't say that. At the end of the day, if your dog reacts and goes crazy on somebody that you were just having a friendly conversation with, it's inappropriate behavior. So your correction should ultimately be the thing that says, hey, like the buck stops here. We're not going to do that. Because you're responsible, and I know that you know this, but I'm just giving you, again, a a very clear roadmap. Your responsibility as a dog owner is to teach the dog what's appropriate and what's not. And if we allow those very inappropriate behaviors to play out and those very unhealthy emotions to play out, then the dog lives a very stressful life, right? So, Mm -hmm. again, if you look at that Australian video, I, I put it on my Instagram, just reactive, reactive. This dog was just riddled with stress and anxiety because he didn't know how to be a dog. He just was reacting to everything all the time. They couldn't go for walks. They couldn't go outside. They couldn't do anything. And once we corrected that behavior and we said, Hey, this is causing an unbelievable amount of stress in everyone's life. And we corrected it effectively. It was over done moving on. So desensitization again, um, I would just suggest making sure that you're playing that, playing that, uh, that track over and over again, because if you, if you think in your head right now, okay, well, yeah, we really do only work on it, you know, once in a while or once a week. And if you work on it constantly and then, you know, all you really need to do is just, you know, even like when you're walking down the road, stop and talk to a neighbor and say, hey, you heard about this or, you know, whatever you need to do. Or if you have neighbors that you can just say, hey, I'm working on some reactivity with our dog, you know, and just stripe up, strike up a conversation. And then you leave the, 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 um, you kind of like leave the, the conversation before they do. So that's another thing that's really helpful uh, is yeah. just as you're talking, you just kind of spin in, all right, see you later. And then if you get a reaction, you correct it. Because there's only so much obedience that you can do before your dog just makes you know a bad decision, right? I mean, obedience is definitely one of those. 
one of those things that can cap a lot of bad behavior. But at the end of the day, like it is important for you to also make sure that you're um, correcting what kind of slips through the cracks of obedience as well. And then it'll even itself out. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And then same thing at the house. Like, you know, for an example, I'd be working on your place, you're down, your stay. I'd be working on those things. And then I would be painting that picture. Hey, come over. Hey, stand up, walk to the kitchen. Okay. Come back. I mean, if you have relatives, this would be easier because you can, you know, basically uh, push them and muscle them around, you know, a little bit better probably than your neighbors would like to. Uh, but those are the things that you can do is just push those uh, exercises as much as you can to paint that picture. And again, it's it really comes down to, and again, I, I'm mentioning this Australian because we did it last week and it was like the same exact thing, super, super reactive. They tried all these different things, including, you know, basically anesthesia and nothing would work. And so, uh, you know, for an example, uh, there's a video of he really reacted to the TV, right? So same thing. You have somebody over and your dog's about to react. So this dog was reacting, reacting, reacting. And I corrected the dog and I just walked away for about seven seconds and then came back. And then the dog laid down and watched the same video that he just reacted to hysterically. Same thing. So that's the other thing that you have to do is you have to say, okay, here's how we don't react. Here's how we react. So you have to teach the dog as well what is appropriate behavior through repetition so that's something that you'll never be able to get through if you strictly use uh, avoidance. And that can be avoidance with physical avoidance, which means you just leave the room, or avoidance with you have a very food-motivated dog and you distract them with hot dogs all the way through the scenario. Because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. they're still they're still going to be reactive to that person if you don't have hot dogs or if you're not paying attention. So my goal always with my clients is to be able to get a very – like real diluted down result of how the dog emotionally handles a situation. So again, dog was reactive, reactive. I let it play out for a while too, like 20 seconds, the dog was reacting and they're like, okay, this is the problem. I said, okay, stood up, leave it. Correction with the prong collar. I did an inside turn, walked to one wall, came back, sat down, the dog laid down. That was done. Never happened again. Okay. So those are the things that you have to do is exercise that muscle have somebody get up she goes holy crap somebody's getting up i wasn't expecting that you say hey that's inappropriate you don't do that again it's like your kid just telling off their aunt and uncle because they it drank their juice and you're like you correct that immediately now human beings can understand english so you can punish them via your voice dogs do not which leads us to using the most ethical tools that we can slip collars prong collars things like that that can really get the message across clearly and effectively and sustainably. So, but don't forget to just keep doing it. Don't just do it once. Say, okay, sit back down. And then the person gets up and the dog doesn't react. That's where you then have to pay the dog heavily. That's where like, yay, good, leave it, good job. And then what ends up happening, the goal, again, just like this Aussie, is the dog goes, oh, I don't need to lose my ever loving mind. And you go, no, you don't. And they go, this is much better. You go, yes, it is. And then you move on. And then it just, it's a, it's a modified behavior. It's, they change their emotional outlook on how they should be acting through guidance from you. That makes perfect sense. But it's just going to take repetition. Yeah. Okay. Which is, which is half the problem because, you know, we have people over, you know, every once in a while. Mm -hmm. So we have to create this scenario where we get someone to, yeah, we have yeah. to, you know, they go to the gym. You have to do it, you know, five times a week yeah, to get in shape. Consistent. Yeah. yeah. Um, though a side scenario is very consistent. I mean, we walk outside right now, there's going to be 10 neighbors out there, <laughs> you know, garden yeah. or whatever. So sure. there's definitely a practice and I actually like it. I like to find those scenarios to where I can go, um, yep. you know, practice this. So the issue is we need more friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I need new friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Like I said, it's, it's, it is difficult because I understand, you know, I have a lot of empathy for this types of situations because again, you, you want to, you definitely want to work on these things, but it's not realistic to maybe work on it as much as you need to. So you just, so you just have to make sure that when you do have the opportunity to work on it, that you guys have some sort of a game plan. Yes. Right. And, exactly. And that would be 
you're going to come over. We're going to sit down and have a conversation. And this is something too, and I don't know if you've done this yet, is uh, if you can find a, 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 um, a, a training company that can help you through this process that's also really helpful. Um, just because like they have group classes and they can have, like for us, what we do for an example is we would be sitting in our little lounge area, which has some couches and it kind of replicates a a home, if you will. And then we'd have like multiple people come in and we do everything we can to trigger these things. So that's, that's the other alternative and, or other possibility is just finding somebody that can help you say, Hey, you know, we're trying to get this reactivity under the way. Uh, it, it, it really is um, some reactivity that is predicated off of uh, environmental changes, and my dog doesn't like that. We're okay in the first picture, and then, you know, as soon as the picture changes, my dog reacts. So just getting getting a training company that can help you, um, I guess, recreate those situations as much as you can will be helpful. Right, right. And I do think she's worse, you know, in our house because we've had situations where she's been like at my mother's house or um, she stays with, um, we do, we do have um, a trainer. We don't really use him too much anymore, but he does board her. And I guess when she's over there, she's an angel. But then again, it could be his influence over her as well. Well, well, even I was going to say, when we have my kids are over, my son is in town for a few days. You're right. When she sees something happening more consistently, she doesn't freak out at this behavior. You know, Kate walk in and out of the house. She gets used to their behavior. And I think that's a good point. Is that, you know, we need something consistent that she can yeah. build on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because when she sees something more consistently, she expects it more. Exactly. And so if you guys if you guys are the consistency, right? You don't have to you don't have to wait on the neighbors and the strangers and you guys are that. And you guys are anchored. And that's that's what's going to matter. Yeah. Good points. Yep. Yep. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have some homework to do. <laughs> yes. Uh, yep. Yeah. It's important that you guys, you know, follow through with it all the way. And again, like I've seen it so many times where you get a dog that doesn't have any type of neurological or any type of that work going on. They're just like... I don't like this. And they react. And it's like a little, you know, a kid throwing a tantrum. And and you have to, you know, you can't kind of turn your blind eye to it because it's just going to get worse. And it it enables them and it kind of teaches them like, yeah, okay, that's appropriate. You can do that. Because if they don't know, they don't know. So, yeah, play it out as much as you can and work through the scenarios. But again, creatively, there's a lot of things that you can do too. It's not just correct it and walk away. Although that's been dramatically helpful for many dogs is they just haven't gotten a correction for it uh, effectively. So again, like doing your inside turns. So I talk about this a lot of my, I just put out a new course. It's called reactive to neutral. And the course goes over a lot of the dismantlement exercises that have been really helpful for myself and my past clients over the years. And really what it, what it does is it teaches dog owners how to dismantle a build so typically dogs uh, who, who are reactive will build. So, you know, zero to 10 type thing. Some dogs go really quick. Some dogs take some time to get up there to then see red. But you just have to make sure as your dog is starting to build and or you're about to put your dog into a situation that you know they're going to build in, right? So if you can feel the conversation ending and you know, okay, here comes something, then the dismantlement exercises are really helpful to to just do exactly that. They dismantle the build before it even happens. And then you walk away without any problems. So that, yeah, the one of them is just, uh, like an inside turn. Mm -hmm. Let's say she's on your left. You're talking to somebody in front of you. You're having a conversation. You take your treats, you put your hand down, you feed your dog, you do an inside turn. The dog's on the food. They say, okay, have a good day. You say, okay, you too. And then boom, you just keep walking straight and it's done. So it's not this huge deal. And do you find if you do that enough, then does do you eventually it, the situation is fixed and you don't have to do that, you know, for no. the whole life? Or no, that's just an alternative. Um, I, I don't think that personally that 
that definitely helps. So that exercise helps more where if you're out for a walk and your dog is reactive to other dogs, Mm -hmm. if you, let's say there's a dog in a fence barking and you're walking and you want to work on this build and your dog starts to huff and puff and their chest pops out and their ears perk up and you can feel the build and they're about to react. That's yeah. where that more or less comes in where you can help. You're, you're coaching the dog. So it's 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 a lot like, I use a lot of analogies, which helps people, I think, but it's a lot like getting into like a cold plunge or a cold bath or something like that. Yeah. You almost, you need a coach to help you through it, whether it's your own self or somebody else, you know, or, 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 or fitness trainer, right? You, you're, you're struggling with something you don't think you can. You got a coach there to motivate you and help you through it. And so when dogs start to build, just doing that, uh, those three steps, which is inside turns, outside turns, and, and a drawback recall, it really starts to build, uh, decrease the dog's build just through handling. No corrections, no tools, no food, nothing. You just move the dogs, you just move them around a little bit, and it, and it completely jars them away from the build, depending on where where your dog is reactive. And that's something that may be helpful too as, a, as kind of a reinforcing, uh, I guess, information for you guys is my new reactivity course is really helpful because it's exactly what we're talking about just obviously way more in depth and granule but yeah so just it it, it, to answer your question i don't think that that would be sustainable because it it is what i call constructive avoidance so you're not completely like running the other way with an italian deli you're just using your body language to decrease a potential reactivity because you know that the build for the reaction is about to happen. So you're countering it. I don't think over time the dog will say, Oh, I'm not reacting anymore. Cause I think you're just kind of like throwing a sheet over the problem, but it's good for situations that, you know, like, okay, there's a kid, we're in a tight space. I'm just going to do a quick little 180 with some food and see you later. And you walk away. But for yeah. me, for me, I would be standing right there and working on it. So a lot of people tend to like run away with their dogs. So you've got to remember again, like going, I don't know if you're on Instagram or not, but if you find my Instagram and you see the the video that I'm talking about, it goes over exact. And I'm not even exaggerating. Like they have never in their lives working with several professionals, even some including a PhD, which hasn't helped them at all. They have never been able to stop the reactivity. The one precision, precise correction from an experienced dog trainer such as myself immediately popped the balloon. Done. He laid down. Wow. Immediate, he, he just laid down and said, okay, what do you want me to do next? And I said, nothing. We're just going to hang out and talk. He's like, cool. Let me know when <laughs> we're done. You know, So he wasn't in control of that situation anymore because I popped that reactive balloon. And so you just have to make sure. like, It's easy for me to say, oh, well, have you punished the dog or correct the dog for the bad behavior? Because that's what you're supposed to with any, literally almost with anything in life. If you don't teach them what we want them to do alternatively or, and, or teach them that what they're doing is not okay. Nothing will ever get resolved. You're just digging, you're digging the wrong hole over and over and over again. And your boss isn't coming over and said, Hey, you're supposed to be over here digging. You're just you're just working way too hard for no reason. That's where a lot of dog owners get. They dig the china and nobody's supposed to tell them like, hey, you're only supposed to dig two feet over here. You're in the wrong spot, buddy, to find that gold. So yeah, it's a long answer for you, but you know, it's just, there's a lot, there's a lot to it. Yep. Yep. And I do find like there's, there's a situation every day where she and I will be walking and there's always a dog um, behind a fence. It's this little like Yorkie or something and it goes nuts. Yeah. And um, I always... I just take out a treat and I distract Stella until we're beyond the situation. And she's very good at that. So um, she really likes to learn. Um, so I'm very hopeful that, you know, all of, that we can definitely get her in a good, in a better place than she's at right now. Yeah. And don't be afraid to you. Like I'd be utilizing that because you have this, the most controlled environment that you could possibly get in with another reactive dog. Cause they're just going to stay there. And, you know, that's, so you're, you're, let's say that that fence, right, is like the, that's the pot of gold there for you. Like that's where your dog starts to get like built up. And so you would just use that fence and that dog in that fence to work on this because you're like, this is, I mean, for me, that's a great opportunity as long as the dog, obviously. And that again, like you said, like a little Yorkie or something's perfect because 
you know, if you were dealing with a German shepherd that was nipping at the bid to try to get over that fence or through that fence or under that fence to get to you, I would say, yeah, just go the other way. But if you have a little dog that's just hysterically barking at you guys, like, yeah, it's not your fault that that dog is hysterically barking, but it's not your problem either. So what you can do is you can work towards that dog and ultimately help your dog. Again, like breathing through the situation, you can help your dog through that situation. And once you figure out how to help your dog mentally through that stressful, reactive situation, then you know how to do it in other situations too. And it builds confidence with your dog. Because right, your, your right. dog says, oh, mom knows what she's doing. This is great. She's giving me direction. She's giving me guidance through this situation. I would normally be you know, just as reactive as the other dog or, you know, stuff in my face in a tree and then moving on. So, and I don't want to say that that avoidance isn't, isn't good because in some cases it is, but you want it to be constructive. Like that's, that's a perfect, I wouldn't run away from that or treat through that scenario. I'd be, I would be doing, um, randomizing, randomizing my food reward. So going towards the fence, doing an inside turn, because wherever the head goes, the mind follows right? And this is all things that are covered in my course. But as your dogs, the only way that your dog will build, or I shouldn't say that, typically the dog will really build once they can see the dog. They can smell the dog for miles. They can hear the dog for whatever. Once they see the dog, they know what they're looking at. And that's where the build starts to happen. And so you can do a little bit of motivation, get the dog's attention. Um, you could do an inside turn and just start breaking the dog's reactivity scale down. And then pretty soon they jump into that cold plunge and they've, you've coached them through the whole process of something that is normally uncomfortable and stressful and they know how to deal with it because you've coached them through. Makes sense. I love that. Okay. Yeah. But like I said, you know, if you, if you feel like you need a little bit more, um, tutorial based stuff on like, because what I'm saying, it's, you know, easier said than done. Like, oh, just build the house, you know, just put the wood there and you, you do. <laughs> it's like, okay, but I don't know how to, how do you measure? Like what, what tools do I use? How do I cut it? You know, all that's precision based stuff that might be helpful for you in the future. Go and work on the stuff that we talked about. And if you feel like you need a little bit more, the reactivity course is, you know, really will, I think, push you through to the next level to give you, because you can see me actually doing these things instead of me telling you how to do them. Oh, that's terrific. I'm definitely, we're definitely going to do that. Yeah. And then we also, in the future too, not, not to uh, diverge here, but in the future too, this is, uh, so this conversation I'm having with, with you folks is something that, you know, obviously I do every day and I love to do it. But one thing that we're offering, uh, I think starting next week is we're doing a more interactive program. So instead of, it's kind of a hybrid between working with me online like this, but also in person. So we have a lot of people all over the world or even in the country that don't have access to a trainer or a trainer that is equipped with knowledge to help them with their reactivity and behavior and other things. So what we're doing is is we're doing a more interactive coaching. So you would actually send me the videos of you working on this and then I would oh. yeah, and then I would privately like send you back a message to say, "Hey, put your arm down. Fix your prong collar. Where's your safety clip? Don't forget to breathe." You know, where's your, where's your food, things like that. And then we go into a coaching call and kind of talk about it. So again, I talk with a lot of dog owners that are very frustrated and they don't have access to somebody that specializes in behavior. Uh, and that's what I've dedicated my whole life to. So it's something I'm obviously very comfortable in as an expert, but that is happening in the next couple of weeks too. If you feel like you still can't break through and you're like, because I'm kind of like behind a closed door here where even if I was FaceTiming you, I'm still in the dark. I don't, I need to see what you're doing in order to help you through it. So that's just the, what we call the level up program. So again, spend a couple of weeks figuring things out on your own. And if you feel like you're still struggling with some things and you want me to take a look exactly on what you're doing, that'll be helpful too. Oh, that's terrific. That's great. I, I will certainly look into that. Um, what one thing I was going to ask you is in regards to like this same exact scenario, being able to, um, you know, work through it. Um, it was a couple of weeks ago, the landscaper showed up um, and she of course like went ballistic and then I got her to go to the cage and then she calmed down and got her out of the cage. And those landscapers are probably here for like 15 minutes. So I decided just to like train, like give her commands in the house while these guys were outside with their like leaf blowers and the mowers mm -hmm. and whatnot. And it was terrific. Like she, I had food though the whole time and I was telling her to sit, to stay, you know, you know, all this stuff. 
and she completely ignored them while we were training. Um, when we started training, she did go back right back to barking at them. But is that something that you would recommend that I do just to kind of desensitize her from the situation? Um, yeah, absolutely. Anything that she, that's kind of like that. Again, I, I don't think it even matters to figure out, is it protective or is it insecurity? Cause it's such a minor, um, low level type stuff. And what I mean by that is, is like comparable to some of the other dogs that I work with on a spectrum of like aggression. This is very like low level. Like we're not killing people. We're not trying to kill people. We're just letting people know that we're uncomfortable with them being here or we want them out or whatever. So absolutely, like any time that any time that you can help build confidence with her, you want to do outside of okay. unrealistic, right? Same thing, like like with anything, like with kids, they're like, oh, I, I'm afraid of the uh, cone. You're like, come on, just a cone. We can do this. Oh, okay, yeah, I love the cone, right? Versus like going to Home Depot and seeing all the scary stuff and they're afraid of it. And you're like, no, you, you should, <laughs> you got to deal with this. And it's like, oh, no, 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 that's, that's a little overboard. So yeah, so any situation that you see with her that she starts to get like huffy and puffy about or reactive about, and it's like the leaf blower guy or whatever, whatever is going on in your life bring her out and say, no, we're going to work through this. I'm going to teach you how to get over this and, and build that confidence up. Because if you don't, that she's going to, she, against the boogeyman, she just feels like the boogeyman's real and you need to flash that flashlight under the bed and say, no, it's not. Look, for your own eyes, your brain needs to learn that this is okay. Nobody's going to hurt you. Nobody's going to hurt me. We're good. Right, right. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Barry likes that too. <laughs> just gave it a thumbs up. <laughs> cool. No, oh, that's great. Um, I did have a question for you. Um, and Barry and I differ on this, I think, a little bit. So sometimes, like, if we're walking down the street, a stranger walks up, and, you know, Stella looks fine, and they'll say, can I pat your dog? I'm always like, you know, I usually say no just because, you know, I would, I don't necessarily trust her 100%, and I don't want ever to, her, to ever to bite someone. She hasn't bitten anyone, you know. Um, Barry's more like, oh, let's, Barry, Barry's much more, let's, I don't know what you'd call it. He just lets them. He lets well, them pet her. Um, well, not all the time. If I sense that it's going to be okay, because how? Uh, just like we were talking about before, how are they going to learn? You know, they, they need to learn how to interact with things that they're afraid of or fearful of, and they're only going to learn that if you introduce them to them, uh, and even if it's baby steps, just so they can get over the fears or whatever they have, right? Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and the other thing too is you just have to advocate for your dog and for people because not everybody's a good candidate to help your dog with that confidence building process too. You know, so getting yeah. around the right people, like again, like landscapers that are out there with their earbuds in, just doing their own thing, they don't even know you're there. Perfect. But then you you get around some people that are too much, right? They're trying to get in your dog's face, they're trying to pet your dog, you know. Again, it just seems like everyone's an expert uh, when it comes to dogs. And so you get somebody that's barking on the ground and wagging their fake tail and, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just weird. So you just have to kind of pick and choose, you know, the situation. But yeah, ultimately, like any time that you can get out and expose her to new things and help her through the process. And the way that I look at it is, is my shoulders are straight, my head's forward. My dog is with me. I'm not with my dog, right? She is following me. And that's the way she, it should, that's the way she wants it to be. That's the way that dogs want it to be. They do not want to go into a situation and say, hey, do I, need to, I need to secure the premises. They don't want, I mean, some dogs are more naturally inclined to, to, to want to do that, but they don't want to control the situation. They want you to control the situation. And that control doesn't mean control every move your dog makes. That just means when you walk into a room and your dog sees somebody, they don't want to feel like they need to bark at this person to make sure that you, they know that you're there. That just means that, they can look at this person, they can do whatever they want, but they're not going to react because they don't need to. They don't feel the need to be vulnerable. They don't feel insecure. So anytime you're in Home Depot or any of those stores that you can bring your dog friendly, friendly places, shoulders are straight, heads looking forward, your dog's at your side following you around, changing directions. Oh, we're going this way. Never mind, we're going that way. Um, and then your dog s says, hey, there's a person with a hat. I must freak out. You turn around, you correct your dog, you say, hey, quit the crap. That's absolutely inappropriate. You're stressing yourself out. You don't need to do that. 
stressing the person out in front of you that you're barking at. You're stressing me out. We're here to shop or we're here to do this. You don't need to do that. That's inappropriate. And then you move on. You teach them right from wrong. You find the same person with the hat on. You walk by him. They do good. You pay him. Yes. Good job. Good job. Good. Brave dog. Wow. And you pay him. And that's how they go. Okay. Right. Wrong. It's basic operant condition. It's how every single, almost every single person on the planet and every culture lives their life. They figure out what is appropriate through the person that's in charge and what is not. That's it. But again, the only, the only caveat to that is, is how you do it and how effective it is. That's a lot of like gray area of like, you know, every dog is different. Every person is different. You know, if I was, I talk to people that are 110 pounds soaking wet and they own a 250 pound Rottweiler. My, my, my training, my equipment suggestions, all of my dismantlement suggestions are going to be entirely different with a dog like that than with somebody like you guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so I, know, I think you could be afraid to introduce some new situations, and there's always going to be a little bit of calculated risk when you introduce anybody to new situations. Correct. You know, so you just have to kind of weigh out: does this seem like it's worth the risk or not? And then you use your own your own judgment and intuition as a human of what the best thing to do is. Correct. Risk over reward. Is the ROI worth it? If not, yeah, move on. Right. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's where we differ a little bit. I'm always just like, I don't want to take that chance of her biting someone. I'm but, out of here. How are they going to move forward? Well, I, I know if it's the situation is right. Like if I have issues looking friendly and everyone looks happy right. and I have a strategy, like I'm watching her, you know, I will be ready if I see her, um, you know, change at all. I mean, yeah, and I would sometimes. I would just, yeah, no, it's fine. I would just say, like, have the mindset that her behavior and the the situation is going to be predicated off of you as the handler. Don't try to look at her and reflect on her to see how she's feeling about the situation. Because right now she's not, she's not making good decisions. So she's not the type of dog that you want. All right. First question comes from Ali Dente. Tom's the real deal. Five-star review. First of all, big shout-out to Tom for being the professional who helped me rehabilitate my primitive Farah-type street rescue. I tried ad- I tried out a number of dog podcasts and videos when I adopted her, but ended up sticking to your podcast and channel exclusively. Let me explain why. Well, this is cool. Let's just dig into this a little bit. Uh, unlike Western medicine, Tom doesn't just treat the symptoms of behaviors. He's more of a, I don't even know this word, osteopath in that he gets down to the root cause of the issues, evaluating the very fundamental fundamental relationship between owner and dog holistically. He has a philosophy that's consistent and methodical throughout all of his content. Every episode or video is a piece that fits into a larger puzzle. Yet each piece in itself contains the whole puzzle too. If you listen enough, you'll start to pick up on it. Wow, this is amazing. I'm going to read this. This isn't a question, but this is amazing. Um, aspect of somebody uh, kind of going into my... I guess, content. Today's dog culture, quotes, has raised the threshold for what people expect out of dogs. The, quotes, ideal dogs are highly biteable and human dotting. They're expected to care more about people's well-being than themselves, allowing anyone to walk up to them and pet them without boundaries. Expecting a dog to have all these traits, not to mention to use positive reinforcement training alone, is extremely unfair and unreasonable to most dogs and can set them up for failure. To be frank, I think it's unethical. But Tom is different. Here he's here to make real change and he's not trying to take the dog out of dog. He doesn't condemn the dogs for their behavior. He explains it from the dog's perspective and points out the behavioral issues that come down to the relationship with your dog. He delivers a much more needed honesty. He delivers some much needed honesty. My dog is in many ways the anthest Jeez, these are big words. Uh <laughs> my dog is in many ways the anthis antithesis antithesis, okay, that sounds familiar, to society's ideal dog. Her breed is the result of environmental selection, not human intervention, retains high self-preservation, independence, and aloofness. She's equipped to survive. The positive-only reinforcement only got me so far before it started causing harm than good. 
I feel like I'm going crazy until I found the No Bad Dogs podcast. It changed everything. My dog has come so far in a year and a half. When people ask how I did it, I always give credits to Thomas. Wow. Um, I apologize for not knowing some of these really big words. Uh, I appreciate the feedback. An unbelievable testimonial. um, And I really do appreciate it. Even if you um, leave your reviews and not a question, I still, it gives me good oxygen. Because as you guys know, for every a hundred really nice things that people say about some of the things that I help them with. There's always that one person uh, that that really tries to smack me out of the world and try to get me to disappear. So I, I really do appreciate these things um, a lot. So thank you very much. Next one comes from uh, Scared Scare Dan Thirty. Favorite dog training podcast. Tom, I love your philosophy on training. I have a ten month old Akita and Tolian. Ooh, that's an interesting mix with terrible separation anxiety. We've tried about every technique I can think of, and she howls and wets the crate almost immediately after leaving her. I've heard of people using the e-collar to deal with this, but I'm worried it'll make the problem worse. Do you think that this is a viable technique? I don't think so. I think if your dog is that fearful um, and that they're peeing themselves, correcting the behavior is probably going to make it worse. So I would choose not to do that. Her obedience is great, and she responds very well to her e-collar for reinforcing behaviors and recall. That's good. The crate is the only real issue. We've tried crate games. I leave her in the crate in short distance, increasing it, Kongs and other treats. Uh, she almost starts to howl. Um, let me ask you this. Um, why do you need to keep her in the crate? Like if, if it's causing more harm than good, why do we have to have her in the crate? That's the next question. I'm always like big on pleasure over pain type thing. Uh, and that's obviously like a very generalized statement, not literal pain and not literal pleasure. It just means how much, what's the ROI on this? Like if we're putting her in the crate and she's getting to a point where she's peeing herself because she's so, I, I don't know, uh, scared or insecure, uh, whatever, um, you know, I, I would just like ask you, I mean, crate's good. I mean, as you guys know, the crate's great, but you know, the crate for me is just like one of those things that my dog loves. It's just part of their life. So at no point should it be to a point where we're peeing on each other and getting scared and howling the whole time and just making life miserable. So I, I guess even if I can't really see your response, um, you have to look at the ROI on this and really what the benefits are to the dog. And if it's even worth it, if your dog's just going to sleep all day and lounge, then I would just nix the crate. Maybe use a, maybe, fen- um, put them into a room with a baby gate or something like that to kind of keep them uh, closed off so they're safe. Um, but really for anybody out there, I mean, you just have to look at the ROI on it. If it doesn't feel right and it's not working and really there's no benefit to it, then don't do it. I mean, I, I did that with Lakota. I'll give you a, a, an example. When I first purchased Lakota and I'm looking actually to get another dog, by the way, but when I'm first purchasing Lakota, she comes from a military kind of esque background, working dog, Dutch Shepherds. And I just said, she's going to be my working dog. She's not going to be a pet. So she's going to sleep. Um, not with us. She's not going to sleep in our room. She's not going to do this. She's not going to do that. Uh, we're going to put her in the back of the truck because that's just going to be her life. And that's how she's going to like it. And I just, I kind of went with everybody's like, Oh, this is how these dogs need to be treated. And I was, I mean, this was seven years ago, maybe a little bit more now. And you know, I didn't know I never had a working dog. I just listened to everyone else and what everyone else was doing. And I immediately was like, no, this is stupid. Like she's a sweet dog. She gets nervous in the, why would I put her in the back? Like, I don't need to do that. And slowly but surely I just, she became a working dog slash pet. Like she still thinks like a working dog, but I don't treat her like a working dog. Um, she still needs lots of exercise and all that stuff. But I mean, she sleeps in our room every night and she's a great dog. And so I think it just like, it didn't feel right to me. What everyone else was saying, it didn't feel right. Like do this or do that. And I was like, no, I don't really see the point in that. And there was no point. I just listened to what other people told me and what, you know, what everyone was saying that I had to do with a working dog. And, you know, I mean, that was my fault too, for listening to people. And then it went against like what I thought was actually working and now she's fine. But, you know, I backtracked and I'll never do that again. I'm interested in another really big type of working dog. And, you know, my wife and I were talking about it. It's like, well, we're going to have to do this. We won't have people over and we have to be, you know, safe and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, or not like we just, Yes, I think genetics definitely play a role, but also so does raising this dog and how we want them to behave and how we want them to be. It's the same thing with Lakota. Oh, there's a working dog. You can't have people over. They're going to be protective. They're going to be reactive. You're never going to be able to blah, 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 blah. She's never going to, you know, she's a great dog. 
and she's the best and, and I love her to death, but she didn't do any of the things that people said she was going to do or that they're supposed to do. But I'm also an expert at dog behavior. So I sculpt and shape things up to the way that they need to be. And then if genetics play a role, then we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Anyway, next one, Jay Rivera, 18. Hey, Tom, need your help. My question is, how do you tell my dog that she's, my question is, how do you tell my dog that she has, that she have to be, this is stuff. How, how do tell my dog that she have to let me know when she wants to pee? I've been trying to make her pee outside and it's working so far. She understands where her bathroom is, but sometimes she just pees in front door, the door that leads to the bathroom. So if nobody sees you, you, you have to bring her out all the time. So you are making the mistake. She is not making the mistake. You are making the mistake. She's going to the door that lets her outside. She's trying to tell you, I need to go outside to go pee. You're not paying attention. So you're giving this dog way too much freedom and you're not letting her out enough. You're giving her too much water and she has to pee. And she's going to the door and she's saying, hey, I have to go. You could try the bell training, which is in my puppy training uh, video on YouTube for free about potty training. So that's my suggestion. We'll do one more. Got to see. Best podcast. Hey, Tom, I love your podcast. It's so helpful as a dog walker early into dog training. I have a client who's been developing a witching hour between five and seven. She's constantly barking at them for attention, and she's now progressionally into her nipping at them. Um, discouraged to correct it, period. That's it. Your dog is reacting and barking uh, to people just for attention and demanding certain stuff. Correct the behavior. How is she going to know it's wrong if you're not, if you're just looking at her? Like That's what a lot of people do is they, no, don't, stop. Go lay down. Stop. Go lay down. No, stop. We're eating dinner. It's no, stop. <laughs> you know, correct the behavior, send her away to replace. And then also make sure she's fulfilled. There's always like triple, triple different things out there, but she's probably not fulfilled. She's probably bored. How much exercise is she getting? Mental and physical. If your clients aren't putting her out and working her mentally and physically, it's worthless. She's not gonna, she's not gonna ever be okay. So remember that. All right, you guys, I'll talk to you in a little bit. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.